My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. It's Friday, and it's the end of the week. And we're going to wrap it up tonight as we finish looking at the man in the pool of Bethesda. And I'm here with Maxime Yasnikov and Mr. Paul Renner. Hey, guys. Hello. You know what? I'm looking at it. We're kind of all dressed in black tonight. How did that happen? That's the color. That's just the color. When you hang around with my father, sooner or later, you start wearing black. Okay, wait. I have to tell you a story. Okay. Years ago, I was in my office in Riga. That'll tell you how many years ago I was. At back least in 20 the, years ago. Back in those days, I wore black all the time. And I walked into the church office one day, and the secretary and another woman were standing there talking. And they were talking about black clothes. And I said, why are you guys talking about black clothes? They said, oh, we're talking about people who wear black clothes. I said, really, uh, tell me what you're saying. They said, well, we've got to figure it out. There's three kinds of people that wear black. I said, well, who are those people? They said, we've noticed that a lot of really intelligent people like to dress in black. We've noticed that a lot of wealthy people wear black clothes. And I said, well, who's the third category? They said, a lot of fat people wear black. I looked at them, I said, and which one am I? And they said, Pastor, we'd rather not answer that <laughs> <laughs> But I always think about those, <laughs> those three smart. things when I'm wearing black. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. But here we are tonight. Paul, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. And please chat with us. We'll be talking today about the pool of Bethesda and how he, Jesus healed the person, the impotent man, at the pool of Bethesda. And if you have ever been in Israel, please tell us you've been there and tell us your favorite spot. Hey, tell us. We want to know, have you been to Israel? And what is the most impacting place you remember from your trip to Israel? Yes. What would you say, Paul? Oh, there are a lot of impacting places, and I think it's more like, for me personally, it's more like impacting experiences. Okay. Because at some t I've been to Israel several times, and one time you think, wow, the Western Wall, the, it was so impactful, and it is truly very impactful to see how many people pray there fervently, and how long people have been praying there, and it's truly a place of reverent prayer. It's, it's, it's amazing. And that was one thing that impacted me. Okay. But recently I was very impacted on my last trip. We went to uh, the f further south in Israel, right on the Gaza Strip, like right on the Gaza Strip. And the city we were in that afternoon, uh, later that evening was bombed from the Gaza Strip. They were sending over bombs from the Gaza Strip, the same place where we were that afternoon. Now, that was very impactful. All right, Maxime, how about you? Uh, my favorite place as well. I love Mount of Olives. Uh, what I did several times, I would take my Bible, would go there by myself, sit on this Mount of Olives, would read my Bible, and I would read places like, you know, the Bible says, and Jesus sat on the mountain and looked at the temple. And I was well, imagining. It's the same view. Yeah, I was saying, well, it, maybe I'm sitting where Jesus sat. And I'm, you know, it's just Bible becomes so alive, and I like the Tomb of the Prophets. All right, what is the Tomb of the Prophets? Most people don't even know it's there. It's amazing to me, people that go to the Mount of Olives, they drive right past 
this remarkable place and they don't even know about it. It's kind of scary. What is it, Maxime? That's where they were burying all those prophets, uh, uh, disciples of the prophets. Malachi was buried there. Zechariah was buried there. Their disciples as well. And their disciples. Their disciples. And I like this cave, which is on the left side of the Damascus Gate. If you look at the Damascus Gate, it's on the left side. Right. It's so deep. You almost go under the city of Jerusalem. Are you talking about the cave where Solomon mined the stone? Yes. It's breathtaking. All right. I got to tell you my favorite place. I have several. I really like the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre, and I believe it is the authentic location. I think the garden tomb is interesting, but I don't think it's... I really believe the tomb of the Holy Sepulchre is the place where it happened. But I think of all the sites I've been to in Israel, and I've been to a bunch... My favorite is in Palestinian territory, so not many tourists go there anymore. It's Lazarus' tomb. I was so stunned by Lazarus' tomb because I always thought Lazarus' tomb was probably like the garden tomb that everybody goes to see, a big garden. Very different. And Jesus standing across the garden, yelling across the garden to the tomb, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes stumbling out of a tomb. But when I saw Lazarus' tomb, and it really is the authentic location, it just took my breath. It would have taken a lot of effort to get out of that tomb. That tomb is so deep. Maxim, how many stairs go down? I don't remember counting them, but at least seven meters. Seven meters, how many meters would that seven be? Seven meters? Something oh, like it's deep, deep, deep. Steep. It's, and the steps are very steep. And you go, you go down one direction, then you turn, you go down another you direction. You were so excited when you got there. And Lazarus was in the bottom. And so when Jesus called and said, Lazarus, come forth, the whole picture changed. Jesus was standing in the door of that cave yelling down, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says he came forth bound hand and foot. I said, how in the world did he get out of here? If he was bound hand and foot, did he hop? (laughs) I could just hop in. It would have been difficult. Up every one of those steps. I mean, it just made the whole story even more powerful to me. All right. I have a favorite place in Jerusalem that will top all of your favorite places. Okay, what is okay. it? Okay, near Jaffa Street, which is the tourist street where most tourists go to buy souvenirs. A little bit away from there, there's an excellent pizza place. Okay, I have something else to tell. <laughs> the best duck pizza you have ever had. Duck pizza. All right, whenever we film in Jerusalem. I know what you're going to say. Okay, when we're finished filming, I give everybody the day off when we're, th- when we're finished. By the way, our days, when I, it's kind of not fair to say I give the day off. It's like we work all day long, then I give everybody a few hours. And you cannot move. You're so tired. I'm so tired. I can't. <laughs> Nobody can move. What a great time to have a day off. When everybody disappears to do their deal, I say, Maxime, let's go. And where do we go? It's, a, it's such a nice Israeli food. They're called them filafi. It's right near the near tomb the, of the Holy Sepulchre. Yes. And we even know the guys that run the place. And people pass by, and many of them recognize you. I've been there several times. You know, you, you sit, you eat this. Is it falafel? Falafels. Falafel. Falafel. And hummus. You, you eat this falafels with, um, and all of a sudden, Rick Ratter! Rick Ratter! It's bad to go with you to... You know, it's amazing how many people have known me sitting there, people walking by. Here, I'm wanting to really pig out on falafels and (laughs) hummus. Hummus mixed with meat. Oh, my gosh, it is so good. And you're trying to eat, and these people are going, 
dressed to kill. <laughs> oh, I just read Sparkling Gems, and I'm so glad to meet all these people, but I want to eat my hummus. Mm-hmm. Anyway, which is in the Arab portion of the it's old the Arab, city, which is. is small, small, small little streets. I, it, it, yeah. I, well, here we are talking about know, all these biblical sites and yeah, we're eating hummus and duck pizza. Have there. you ever been to Jerusalem? Please tell us, have you ever been to Jerusalem? What was your favorite site? And what was your favorite food? Tell us. We would love to hear from you. But let's go back to the Pool of Bethesda. Yes, sir. All right, let's go there. When you come to the end of this story in John chapter 5, Jesus has healed the man in the Pool of Bethesda. And as we saw last night, Jesus said, pick up your bed and walk. And it was the Sabbath day. Which was a bad time for anyone to pick up anything and start their life anew. Why? Because of the rules. On the Sabbath day, you're supposed to rest. And it is in the Ten Commandments that you're supposed to take a Sabbath. So the Jewish people, and especially the more religious people of that time, were extremely strict about the Sabbath. Now today, people are not as strict about the Sabbath as they were back then. But today, back then, they were extremely strict. You couldn't light a fire. You couldn't do any exertion of energy or work. And you could only walk a certain number of steps. And this guy was carrying something. I'm sure he wasn't carrying like a bed like you think of a bed. It was probably something like a mat that he would have rolled up, but it was still against the rules. He was not supposed to work on the Sabbath or walk very far. And when Jesus healed him, Jesus said, get moving. I love that about Jesus. Because Jesus never wants us to stay where we are. Jesus is all the time saying, get moving. Think of all the times you've said, Lord, please change me. And you think it's got to be some long, tedious process. It does not have to be. Jesus might just say, fine, get up and get moving. I believe he's saying that to somebody right now. You've been praying. You've been saying over and over and over, God, change me. God, change me. You know what? He's tired of hearing you say it. And tonight, I believe Jesus is saying, get up and get moving. It is time for you to get moving. And that's what he said to this man. Yes, but he actually burned bridges because he picked up his mat. If there was a great multitude of people and there wasn't a lot of space and he had a mat, he had a place to lay. He had a spot. the pool of Bethesda. He had his spot. Jesus says, get up and get your stuff. Get out of here. Free up this spot. You're not coming back here again. And his mat was probably his placekeeper. I can just imagine when he picked up that mat, the other sick people said, scoot over, scoot over, scoot over. We have a little extra space. This guy's been here for 38 years. He's probably like next in line to fall into the pool. And he lost his spot. And you know, sometimes when Jesus changes your life, you lose your old spot. Your life, Paul, that is a powerful point. It often happens. When you make the decision to follow Jesus, sometimes that means losing your spot. You've got to burn some bridges. You've been building up to something for a long time, and when you give Jesus your life, you're giving him everything that you've built up to at that moment. And if it's something you need to give up, that's the cost. But hey, the Bible says, The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. And he answered them and said, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Can I I throw something else in here that we haven't covered this week? Of course. In this text, suddenly another Greek word appears, the word therapeo. Mm -hmm. When he says, The one who healed me, it is the word therapeo. That is not the word hugies. 
Jesus said to the man, do you want to be hugias? Do you want to have your life back? Well, now the man's giving his testimony, and he says, the man who healed me, and he uses the word therapeo. The word therapeo is where we get the word for therapy. Therapy. It literally means the man who therapied me. And here you have an insight into the healing ministry of Jesus, and for you and for us who minister, if you're ministering or praying for anybody, learn from Jesus. Because over and over and over in the Gospels, when the Bible says Jesus healed them, it is the word therapeo, which means Jesus told them they had to do something. You know, years ago when I broke this arm, I was in Greece with Denise. And Denise and I were in Corinth, and I decided I was going to go to the top of the Acrocorinth. I didn't know how hard that was. And the road to the top of the Acrocorinth is made of stones that have been there for five and six hundred years, and they are just smooth as ice. And when Denise and I realized how hard it was going to be to go to the top of the Acrocorinth, I said, let's not do this. We turned around and began to walk back down, and rather than walk with my wife like I should have been, I was walking in front of her. And the stones were so slick that my feet went out from under me, and I landed on this hand, and I broke this hand. I broke my hand in Greece. Do you remember that? It was terrible. Rushed me to the hospital in Greece. I'll never forget. All these doctors have circled me, and they're all talking about what to do. And I hear one of them saying English, let's just do it real quick. I said, do what? They didn't tell me what they were going to do. And all of a sudden, they got around me, and all of them grabbed my hand, began to pull and push and set my arm with no warning. I screamed bloody murder. It hurt so bad. But by the next day, I was on an airplane to America for surgery. And my doctor said, if you ever intend to write another book, we have to put a metal plate in your arm. So they put a metal plate in my arm. Then I had to learn how to use my hand. I had to go to a therapy therapist. Mm-hmm. Well, when you go to a therapist, the therapist doesn't do anything for you. You have to do it all by yourself. You have to do it by yourself. But the therapist will tell you what to do. And I can remember the therapist saying, move your fingers. I couldn't even feel my fingers. And then they told me to start squeezing a ball. And I remember saying to my therapist, I cannot squeeze a ball. I, I, I don't have any strength in my hand. I had to obey my therapist. The therapist told me what to do. But the therapist couldn't do it for me. I had to obey my therapist. Well, the word therapeo is the word that is used mostly to describe how Jesus healed the sick. Well, think about how he healed the sick. If a man had a withered hand, what does that mean? His arm was paralyzed, probably shrunk, probably like this. Jesus said, stretch forth. Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. Well, think about how unkind that seems. How is a man with a withered hand going to stretch forth his hand? Mm -hmm. But Jesus told him to do something. If the man had said, I cannot, nothing would have happened. The man had to try. He had to respond to Jesus' authority. And as the man began to try to use his hand, that's when the power of God began to cooperate. That's how Jesus healed the sick. How did Jesus heal this man? He didn't just say, you're healed. He said, get up. Get up and pick up your bed. If the man had said, I can't, he probably would have remained there. He responded to Jesus' authority. He was therapied by Jesus. This is important because when you pray for the sick, one reason you may not see more results is because you just pray for them and walk off 
and you didn't therapy them. Denise is really good at this. When Denise prays for the sick, she'll say, if you couldn't bend over, bend over. Do something physical. You couldn't use your foot, stomp on your foot. If you couldn't use your hand, begin to exercise. And as you therapy people, they begin to be healed. And the disciples learned this so well that when Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer in Acts chapter 3, the Bible says, they said to the crippled man, rise and walk. And you know what the Bible says next? In fact, go there. Go to Acts chapter 3. I want you to see they did the same thing Jesus did. Acts chapter 3. Look what it says. I want you to read this. I'm trying to teach you something about healing tonight. It's not enough just to lay hands on people. You have to tell the people to do something. They need to, they need to respond and cooperate with the power. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, Peter, oh, you want to read it? Go ahead. Uh, well, well, verse chapter 7, and they took him by the right hand. Look at that. They took him by, the, is that verse 7? Yes, and lifted him up. And lifted him up. And next. And immediately his feet and. Wait, wait, wait. Immediately his feet and. Ankle. Ankle. Ankle what? Receive strength. Receive strength. Receive. You know what the Greek says? Check me out. I'm telling you the truth. With every step he took, his ankles and his legs became stronger. They began to walk this man. The man did not immediately receive his healing. Peter and John got on either side of this man and said, come on, let's do something. And they lifted him up and they began to walk. The man could have said, what are you doing to me? But the man was willing to cooperate. They therapied the man. And as he cooperated, and I'm, I really believe that when they began to walk him, his legs were dragging, but with every step, healing began to take root in his body. So guys, when you or when you pray for the sick, don't make the mistake of just praying and walking away. If they couldn't use their hand, tell them to use their hand. If they couldn't lift their arm, tell them to lift their arm. Tell them to do something because in their actions is probably when the healing is going to begin to show up. Isn't that helpful? Amazing. Yeah, it's excellent. Okay, let's go on. Uh, may I say one thing? One, sure. one little thing. So what you're saying is so excellent, and it relates not just to, feel, to healing, because the word, the Greek word that is used there, astaneo, uh-huh. uh, the general meaning is weakness. Mm-hmm. And if we talk about our weaknesses, all of us have weaknesses. We do have weaknesses. And when God starts talking to us about our weaknesses, we start finding excuses. And God is saying to us, put some effort into it. Oh, I like that. Put some effort into it. Maybe it's not your sickness. Maybe it's your bad habit, uh, your inability to do something. It's a weakness. That's the now. And God is saying, start doing something. And if you put some effort into it, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to heal this area of your life. You can walk out of it. Where you have this weakness, not necessarily health. That's, that's fabulous because there's many areas of our life where we're sick. You know, your soul, your marriage. Weaknesses. Your, which is weaknesses. But let's go on. And the man said, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. And they asked him, What is that man that said, Take up your bed and walk? But go on down further. It says, Afterward. They didn't say, Who is the man that healed you? <laughs> they said, Who is the man that told you to take up your bed and walk? Probably, Who is the man who told you to break our religious rules? Yes. I would have said, wait a minute, who healed you? Someone healed you? They didn't didn't even pay attention to that part. Paul, that's a good point. But wait, it goes on, it says, afterwards, Jesus findeth him, findeth. That's King James' word. Guess what the word findeth is? Eurisco. Eurisco. Ah, That's where you get the word eureka. 
The word Eurisco describes an intensive scholarly investigation. The Bible says Jesus findeth him in the temple, which means Jesus said to his disciples, Eurisco, findeth. Guys, I'm not leaving till I finish with that man. Find me that man. I told him to pick up his bed, to get moving. He got up, he started walking. I'm not finished with that man. Find that man. Which means Jesus is a master at follow-up. He doesn't just touch people and forget about them. Jesus follows up. Here is Jesus on this massive temple mount. And Jesus says to his disciples, find me that guy. I want to talk to that guy. And I want to tell you, any church... Any ministry worth its salt is serious about follow-up. We have to be very serious when we deal with people, and here is the greatest example of all. Jesus didn't just heal the guy and walk off. Jesus said, we have to follow up on this man. In our own ministry, we are so serious about follow-up. If you call us for prayer or write to us, we are very serious. We're probably going to call you back to ask you if God has answered your prayer. We have all kinds of records we keep because we are very serious about what people say to us. In our church, we have the same philosophy. Yes. And back to this. And we learned it from Jesus. Yes, back to this situation that Jesus healing this person at the pool of Bethesda was a chaotic event. Uh, people everywhere, a great multitude of people. Jesus picks someone out, out of this great multitude. Everyone's waiting for their healing, waiting for their turn to get into the pool. Jesus picks one specific person out, out of the rest. He gets healed, and then there's a commotion. Jesus disappears, and sometime later, the same day, Jesus finds this person on the Temple Mount. This person has come to the Temple Mount, which is not very far from where he was, but it does say something about his intentions. He came to the Temple Mount instead of going somewhere else, and Jesus came looking for him. So after the initial experience, you could have said, well, you know what? It was so chaotic. We didn't get the person's telephone number. I don't know how to find that person anymore. The initial experience, there was just so much going on. And, and, and we lost the opportunity. Well, you may have lost the opportunity at the initial experience, but there is another way to find someone. There is another way to catch up with someone. There is another way to figure it out. And if you put effort into it, you can find that person or you can follow up on that story, just like Jesus did here. He physically went and looked for that person. You know, I think about all the people that have responded to an altar call and nobody took their phone number, their address, no follow-up. And I really believe a lot of good fruit has been lost simply because people didn't pay attention. One thing that Denise does that is just amazing is Denise, I watch her do it all the time when we're on airplanes. She'll share Christ with a flight attendant. She does it all the time. When we come on a plane, I already know what Denise is going to do. She's scoping out the scene for who she's going to share with. She finds a way to connect. And before she leaves, she has their email address and phone number, and they have hers. Denise is all the time harvesting. She's following up on people. We need to take the example of Jesus. Jesus could have said, I'm busy, I've got to go, but he didn't. Yes. And if that's what Jesus does, that's what we need to do. In fact, this coming Sunday, I have an online right now, because we're not allowed to meet in our physical location right now. I hope that we will be able to gather soon, following, of course, the rules of social distancing. But uh, because we can't meet 
physically right now, uh, this Sunday, I, had a, I have an event called Online Get to Know with the Pastor. And we actually have an online meeting with people who've come to church the first time over the past few weeks. We're constantly asking them, people who are joining us online, to uh, send us their information. And then we invite them. We actually call them and invite them. Of course, I'm talking about the Moscow Church right now to... Uh, an event where we can talk and they can get to know the church and we can tell them what they need to do follow next. Up. Follow up. Well, hey, when you come to this verse, notice what Jesus says to the man when he finds him. Because as Jesus findeth him, which means they had to look really hard to find the man. The word eurisco. They had to really search, but finally they found him. And when Jesus findeth him in the temple, Jesus said unto him, now listen to the King James Version. Behold... Thou art made whole. <laughs> You're funny. The word behold is the word edu. The word edu is an interjection of Jesus' emotions at this moment. It means, wow. When Jesus looked at this man, who now has been totally transformed, Jesus literally said, amazing. Amazing. Wow. You really got your life back. And every time I read this, I think about what I want Jesus to say when he looks at me. I want Jesus to look at me and say, Wow, considering where you came from, you are quite a miracle. Don't you want Jesus to look at you and say, Amazing. That would be a wow. great thing to write on a tombstone. Wow, what a life. <laughs> Jesus looked at this man. Jesus performed the miracle, and Jesus is so impressed with the miracle. Jesus says, wow, make it your goal. That when Jesus looks at you, Jesus looks at you and says, that's amazing. You're amazing. Wow. And Jesus said, you got your life back. And then he adds these words, sin no more, lest the worst thing come unto thee. Well, so somebody says, does that mean that man had opened some kind of a door for sickness, it seems to imply that. The word sin here really means, it's the word hamartia. Don't keep making the same mistakes. It appears there was something this man had done which made him sick in the first place. Do you know, I was recently talking to a doctor, and the doctor said to me, you know, churches are filled with prayer lines of people who come forward to be healed, and God touches them, and they go home, and they never change their lifestyle. And so even though God healed them, they continue to have sugar diabetes because they continue to eat the same way before they were healed. Or they continue to mistreat their body, or they work too much, they never take a day off, they do something wrong, and therefore even though God miraculously touched them, it comes back. They don't keep their healing because they keep doing the same thing they did that made them sick in the first place. And here we just find the real practical part of Jesus. I love this about Jesus, because Jesus is supernatural and Jesus is practical. Jesus supernaturally released the power to heal this man and then gave some real practical counsel. Guy, you can't keep doing the same things you were doing if you want to stay well. Just stop your behavior, make sure you don't go back to your old ways, lest you get sick again. I just think that's powerful. But not every sickness is the result of sin. Sin can become a reason or the cause of sickness, but... S some sickness is just an attack. Right. But, you know, doctors say that 90% of sickness can be prevented by just changing lifestyle.
But apparently this man had done something that had opened the door. And now Absolutely. And now Jesus said, now, sir, it's up to you to make sure the door stays Absolutely. closed. And then it goes on to say, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus that had made him whole. The Greek says he told the Jews that it was Jesus who gave him his life back again. That's the goal of Jesus. He wants to give us our life back again. Guys, this week we've been speaking from my study guide called Do You Want to Be Healed from a whole series on our website. And I have really enjoyed you two being here. I enjoyed Joel being here this week. Have you guys enjoyed this? Enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for everything you're sharing. It's very beneficial for me, and I hope it's beneficial for Maxime. Oh, you know what's beneficial for me? I do the voiceovers. Yes. Ah, Every program you do, every daily TV program, yes. I have to voice over it in Russian. So I get a lot. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. But Father, we thank you for the wonderful Word of God. We thank you that you're asking all of us, do we really want to be healed? What are our intentions? And Jesus, we say, you're Lord. Amen. The door is open for you to tell us what to do, that Amen. we can pick up our affliction and carry it and not lay on it anymore. In Jesus' name. We'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend. And remember Psalm 4, 8. I'll lay down in peace and sleep, and the Lord will keep me safely. That's your sleeping medication tonight. Go to sleep in the peace of God. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it.